Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Great time at the National. I'm sure you guys, I saw you guys there. Um, it was great to, to, to meet you for the first time in person, Chris. Whereas Josh, we met in 2019 at the National, but I had a great time. Before we, and we're going to get into card ladder and the, the new uh, the new feature that you guys added this week. We'll get into it, but I wanted I want to talk about the national and uh, kind of debrief it a little bit with you and just hear like how how was it for you, Chris? It was your first one, right? Was my first national uh, for sure. I've been to many sports card shows, uh, small in size, regional. Been to many card shops across the country as well, but my first national. And I don't know how how much should I just answer that question or should I talk about it or should I hold off because I have a lot to say about the national. <laughs> oh, so so Josh, as you would well know, when Chris says he has a lot to say, that could take up a that could take a whole hour and a half. So no, I mean it was your first one, Josh. I know it was 2019 when I met you the first time. Was that your first one or was that your was that you'd been there before even 2019? Yeah, I went to 2018 as well. All right, so guys, before we get into it, I just want to say welcome to After Hours. Welcome to, oh, and I don't even have the banner up. I can't do it with three of us. That's okay. Welcome to the chat. If you were just with us with the Brian, with Brian Gray, thank you for coming over to this show. As you know, Chris McGill, Josh Johnson, co-founders of Card Ladder. Chris, formerly, uh, formerly I guess, of House of Jordans. Josh, still of Cardboard Chronicles. And, uh, and now of the crossover on Instagram, Friday Night Live show that they do. I watched it last night. So, um, and, and, thoroughly enjoyed it as always you guys have a great chat and a great thing going on there but uh so yeah let's uh josh let's start with you because i know chris is going to take longer so let's start with you josh and just you know how did you find the 2021 national compared to 2019 um a lot more people a lot more people i would say i don't want to say twice as many because that's probably exaggerating but it was definitely a, a decent percentage more people um I thought it was more that there was a lot more going on, right? There's a lot more people that have joined since. So the, the energy around it was a lot higher, um, you know, probably higher prices, much higher prices than 2019, which is a little bit discouraging as a collector, but you know, I get it. It's, that's how, that's where the market's at today. Um, I mean, for me, it's just like, it was just kind of scaled up. It's always the same for me. I, I don't really go there looking to, flip or deal or buy and sell too much. If I can find stuff, that's great. If not, that's fine as well. I, I go there to, you know, meet friends and have fun. So it's just kind of scaled up. I, there's just more people that I know since the last one, there's more people involved in the hobby now. So it's just, it's just more and more fun every year. I feel like. 
Yeah, you know, well said, really. That's what it came down to. It, it was it was more fun, and it's because there were more people there and all the relationships that we you know, that you and I have both been able to make over this last over two years, really, right? So yeah. Chris, how what was it what you thought it was gonna be? Was it bigger, better, worse, smaller? Uh, what was your experience like? Well, I mean, uh, it was all a blur. I think we could all probably attest to that a little bit just before you know it. First, it's Tuesday and you're settling in. Then it's Wednesday and all of a sudden VIPs are coming in. And then all of a sudden general admission is open. And then it's Thursday and you're just in the thick of things. All of a sudden it's trade night. Then Friday is here and you're like, oh, my body's sore from doing all this standing and on concrete, but I'm still going to keep pushing through. Uh, Saturday comes around and you're like, oh, man, this show is over because half the people are leaving tonight and, I, and I'm just getting started. And then, you know, some of us were there, especially local guys. We were able to be there Sunday and uh, just squeeze every last ounce out of it. I, I was there until they closed the doors on Sunday. And I just didn't want it to end at all. Uh, it was magnificent. If Like Brett from Stacking Slabs described it as sports card Instagram in person, yeah. which I thought was a great way to sum it up for all the right best reasons. Uh, it, it was just nonstop action. Um, if you were a content creator in the space, you, you couldn't move 15 feet without running into somebody who had listened to your show. Uh, or if you're Jeremy Lee, you had a whole booth uh, and a shrine to Sports Cards Live. Very fitting, might I add. One of the one most popular, one of the most popular and safe destinations for anybody circling the show. If you didn't have anything to do, go say hello to Jeremy because he's always there to greet you. I got I got some take home memorabilia from your booth as well the sticker, the button, everything. I mean, everybody was benevolent. They were generous it, in, in just, you would never run out of people. You could throw a stone and find somebody with a common interest to you to talk to about the industry and about cards. It just, it went so fast, man. <clears throat> I wish it lasted a month. I wish we had two a year. To me, it has to have been, it, at least in the five years that I've been back in the hobby a little bit more now, it has to have been the single greatest gathering <clears throat> of uh, collectors and sports card enthusiasts that's ever taken place. And, you know, I'm already counting down the days till next year in Atlantic City. Did you pick anything up? Nothing. I didn't even <clears throat> I didn't even get a chance to walk the floor, man, between, you know, um, talking to card ladder users, which was one of my absolute favorite parts of being there uh, to, you know, talking to fellow content creators, talking to fellow collectors, taking meetings, networking. You know, we approached and, and made contacts with many of the key players in this industry. That was one of our missions when we went there, and we definitely did that. But between all of that and and the fact that, you know, we were also working on Card Ladder while we were there, um, there just wasn't there just wasn't time for me to just sit back and enjoy it as a collector. Uh, and I wish there had been, you know, because prior to this, my show going experience is, you know, walking the floor and and negotiating and trading. Even at the Dallas Card Show when we were there in an official capacity to some extent, I was still able to pull off a big trade. But this time it was just it was overwhelming number. I even if I had tried to walk the floor, or if you had Jeremy or Josh, I mean, you would have had to swat people away with like a fly swatter and just say, okay, let me let me make my moves and and do my business here because there's just so much enthusiasm and so much so many people there who wanted to connect. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Josh? Did you uh, pick anything up, make any deals? I did. I sold quite a bit of stuff. I put a bunch of cards out at our table. I'm, I'm, I shoot people away more than Chris does. I have to like, I usually just walk away and don't say anything, and eventually find my space to, to get back to some cards. And uh, I also did pick up. Well, actually, I, I had this sent in 
like last October, but I okay, picked I it up know. there and had it um, had it slabbed or it was slabbed, but they messed up the label, so I had it re-slabbed. So it's like I got a new card. I also bought a 24 karat gold, which is already boxed up and traded. Uh, so I don't have that right out with me because I traded it already. But um, I did sell uh, another like Penny Hardaway card. I sold some football stuff. I sold some like PSA returns stuff, LeBron stuff. Nothing, nothing too major. So, okay, now let's uh, switch gears a little bit, guys, and talk about the event, the Wednesday night event that, that you guys co sponsored is that the right terminology you co-sponsored with um with rodman of rodman's pc and grant slayton i believe as well correct yeah yeah Yeah, so how did yeah talk about that a bit josh how did you uh i saw you there obviously how did you enjoy that and uh did was it uh, all you hoped it would be yeah grant and i did did that same thing and at the 2019 show it was just me and him that kind of threw it together and Wanted to make it, uh, you know, an enjoyable private event for some of our friends in the hobby. And uh, we wanted to do it again. And so this time, instead of, you know, branded as Cardboard Chronicles, I just decided let's just throw Card Ladder on there and, and kind of make it the same thing, really. Uh, it was just bigger this time. We had more guests, you know, more friends that we've gathered up over the last two years. And it ended up being a pretty awesome event, I thought. How about you, Chris? Was it what you thought it would be? I didn't have expectations. And uh, last night on the crossover, we were getting questions like, what would you have done differently? How could you have improved it? And I, my answer to Josh at that time is the same one as it is today, which is that I'm still wrapping my arms around what it actually was that we just experienced for the last uh, five days. Um, well, I guess it was a little while ago now, but it feels like it was yesterday. I'm still trying to wrap my my arms around it. So I, you know, I didn't have any expectations and and my experience of it was just like Brett said, it was like being on sports card Instagram, but in person. And that's like really high praise because, you know, sports card Instagram is a dopamine rush for all of us. You know, I mean, I maybe it's only me, but I don't think so. One of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning, I've barely been up for a few minutes. I, I'm going to Instagram and I'm seeing the messages in the group chats and I'm seeing what everybody's posting their stories. I'm seeing the new cards that people posted and Man, sometimes when I, you know, relieve myself in the middle of the night, even I, I find myself looking at my sports card Instagram uh, as I'm as I'm traversing back and forth. It's just it's it's maybe to call it an addiction is is a little strong, but but to be able to take that joy from the community and put it into a room and fill it with tens of thousands of people, I mean, it it I don't know. However high my expectation could have been, uh, this would have exceeded it. I don't think there's anything that we could be doing in our life and not be hobbying on our phone one way or another. Like whether you're relieving yourself in the middle of the night, whether you are um, having special time with your partner, uh, whatever it is you can, you might be doing, you can still be Instagramming, looking at eBay, whatever it is you're doing on your phone. And I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that. Uh, Okay. Maybe I'm being trying to be funny too, but uh, all right. Um, let's go to a couple of comments here. We haven't done that yet. We got Andy, my guy. She blinding with refractors. Hey, Jeremy, Josh, and Chris, excited to hear the discussion. Should be fun. Glad to have you. The big unit, good evening to you. Super bad is here. Troy, hello, Jeremy, Chris, and Josh. Excited for another live stream. Thank you, Troy. Noonan Cardboard, big shoes to fill after Brian. What a fantastic interview. Really looking forward to this as well. Thank you, Noonan. Beans is still here, is here again. Welcome back. Welcome back. As, yeah, Jeremy Pringle says SCL Trilogy Maryland. I don't know if you guys know or saw, but I went I went live this afternoon 
for two hours. I mean, I thought I'd go for 45 minutes. I ended up going two hours. That's just, I can't, I can't make these things short, guys. I just can't make them short. But this is my third uh, stream of the day. Triple C says, well, your first thought you were a vet. Looking forward to your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody's been to the national, right? But and and that brings me to this next question for both of you guys. Not that it was ever in, not that it was ever up for you know for not happening, but Atlantic City next year, hundred percent, you'll be there if you know everything works out, uh, just in terms of life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, short of COVID shutting everything down again, we'll be there. Right on, right on. Fire sports cards. Looking forward to another great show. <laughs> We got Yamwax in the house, everybody's favorite Instagram account. So awesome to meet all of you there and half of IG last week. No doubt at all. Uh, Triple C wants to know, is House of Jordans done? Loved that show back in 2020. So did I. So did I. Chris? Well, I make a lot of content uh, these days, Jeremy. We have uh, we have our show, Sports Cards Culture, that comes on YouTube once a week. It's like a fully produced show. Then we have the crossover every Friday night. But it might be fun to squeeze in a reunion episode sometime and trot back out the House of Jordan's contents. But uh, I don't want to make any promises. But, yeah, I miss making that show, too. But um, I love the new content we make. So, Hey, things are always always moving forward, right? Always moving. Maybe best not to look back. But I do like the idea of a reunion episode at some point in time. Tyson Lee in the house. Uh, welcome back. Glad to have you. We got the name from Indigenous Rookie Cards. Good evening to you. Rage is in the house with us right now. Uh, what else we got? Lee Haskins says, curious if Ziggo will be here. Did a video on this video on this video that was on that video. For some reason, he's not a fan of Card Ladder. Yeah, not everyone's a fan of everybody, I guess. Uh, Jake is here. James says, Chris is so dressed up for this interview. Yeah, we all are. We're all. It's a t-shirt kind of uh, kind of hobby. Thank James, you, Sniper Manis. Was that? Oh. Just, just thanking my buddy there, the sniper. Uh, he's a great guy. Great, oh, great, it. great Instagram follow. Great whatnot follow. Okay, we have a question on on card ladder here from the fifth beetle. Uh, enjoy the show. I've been wondering about the what the card ladder score on card ladder is supposed to represent and what it is based on. Thanks. Uh, which one of you guys wants to take this question on card ladder? That guy up oh, there. Nice. Josh could make a great meteorologist one day with the, with that skill set. Uh, <laughs> score is an attempt to make a Billboard Hot 100 of the financial performance of sports cards. Um, it's a formula that's objective, that's published, and it weights three variables. Uh, the first variable is change in price over the last two weeks. The second uh, variable is... Um, so the change in price, but but measured in two different ways, measured by percentage change, which is the first variable, and then measured by absolute dollar change, which is the second variable. And they're weighted in different amounts. It's, you know, if you care to see it, the formula itself is in the FAQ to card ladder. And then the third variable is transaction volume, which is weighted very little, but it's like a tiebreaker. And so you look at those variables as metrics of financial performance of cards, and then it generates an objective score. Uh, like I, I, I likened it to the Billboard Hot 100. Maybe a better analogy for a sports viewing audience is quarterback rating, QBR, or player efficiency rating, something like that. And so it's only applicable to the last two weeks worth of sales. It's an important caveat to note. So if a card doesn't have two sales in the last two weeks, it will not receive a score, which is going to be a limiting factor on certain cards being able to appear. 
but it's one of the sorts that we provide. So we have 13,200 cards in Card Ladder, and they have all-time sales histories that have been fully vetted by a human researcher. And so of those 13,200 cards that are in the database, there, there has to be ways to organize them. And, and we provide about 15 different ones, and SCORE is one of them. To me, I, I like SCORE. I find SCORE interesting. It's, it tries to capture which cards are, are doing really well over the narrow span of the last two weeks. But there's lots of different ways to sort the cards. You can sort them by their population size. You can sort them by their current value. You can sort them by last sold. You can sort them by percentage change over a number of different intervals. There's, there's lots of different sorts, and, and SCORE is one of them. All right. Thank you for that explanation. Uh, Offlix says card ladder, the most reliable card data on the planet. Those guys really care about the accuracy of their data. I think that's, and I think what he's getting at here, and you know, you can, you can uh, just, you know, confirm this, but you guys, you guys vet the the data that you get to ensure that it is um, what, to ensure that it's what I'm asking the question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to just be the one who's blabbing on and on, but some of these questions are kind of up my lane. Uh, so the most reliable data on the planet. Yeah. So to my knowledge um, in the space of sports card data tracking, we are the only people who assign a human researcher. And oftentimes that's me and Christina uh, to vet every single sale that comes into our database. And so when somebody says reliable, I, I think one of the things that they're referring to is the fact that if you see a point on a graph in card ladder, a human being who's knowledgeable of sports cards said that belongs there. Uh, there's no machinery. There's no automation. There's no computer that's attempting to substitute its judgment for what we all know when it comes to looking at comps requires human judgment. And, and if you just think intuitively when you're on the show floor, at, at the national and you're comping something out and you're, let's say you're looking at the, the Trey young prison based PSA 10, one of Josh's favorite cards. And you, and you look at the sold and completed and you see auctions are ending for 250, 280, 290, 240. And then you see one for $2,000. Uh, mentally collectors are going to exclude that as a, as an outlier. And so I don't, if, if we want, we can go through the, the guidelines that we use when we make exclusions. And when we do make exclusions, we don't remove the data. We just don't put it on the graph. We put it into a separate category that's called purgatory that anybody can look at. But we we make those judgments so that ultimately when we display, when we add value to somebody who's trying to look at the financial performance of a sports card over the last however much period of time, uh, all the way back to the very first sale of the card, if you'd like, because for every card in our system, we build the all-time sales history. Uh, which takes a lot of time and effort and research. But if you'd like to look at that sales history, you know you're looking every single data point on that graph, every single list in the sales history, a human being said that belongs there. And and why is, I, I guess I, I just want to, why is that important? I mean, you've kind of said it, but you know, what you mentioned a $2,000 outlier. What else is, ex- what else might be excluded? And, and, and two part question, what else might be excluded? And is there anything about this process that is not transparent? What else might be excluded? Um, we know all eBay users know that people will sometimes call their item a PSA 10 and it is not the PSA 10. 
it might be a BGS 95, it might be a PSA 9, it might be an SGC something, it might be one of the dozens of other grading companies, it might be a raw card. Uh, but in any event, sometimes you get junk that comes into a, a search history that doesn't belong there. So that's the type of stuff that gets filtered out uh, as well. Um, some of the other things that get filtered out are mislabels. Um, sometimes you get listings where a card has a cracked, a severely cracked case. And so in that instance, although it's a PSA 10 and it's in a PSA 10 slab, um, that is, is really not an item that's necessarily going to fall into the category of what a PSA 10 sells for. So that's likely something that's going to get sent to purgatory. Um, there's, there's lots of little weird permutations and things that happen from time to time, uh, that get excluded that fall into that category, you know, pick your favorite card and search it on eBay and you'll kind of see some of the weird things that show up in a, in a search result, which is good and bad. You know, eBay is the wild west of listing. Um, you can put whatever you want for the title and you can get creative and, but it's not standardized. And so there's, there's value in organizing that data. Uh, in terms of uh, transparency, is there anything that is not transparent? No. Um, one of the most important, deadly important topics to us uh, with Card Ladder in particular is the transparency of the processes, of the organization of the data, of any methodologies that we employ in processing the data, and in how the data is vetted. Uh, transparency is absolutely essential to us. It's principle number one. And I think the hobby, that, that is the ethos of the hobby, of the great hobbyists, is that it is better to know. It is better to put all the information in front of an audience and equip them with the ability to make a decision with all the facts in hand. So in terms of transparency, that's, that's our number one mission and goal, is to make everything as transparent as humanly possible. Even Josh and I are transparently available uh, we are responsive to DMs and we take any and all questions every single Friday night. Josh, anything you want to add to, to this line of discussion at all? No, I, we'll, we'll have a lot more to discuss on this. I guess I'm looking through the questions. So, okay. I'm sure all right. I, I haven't, I haven't gone down that far yet. So uh, let, me, <clears throat> let me get there. Yeah. I'm just talking about the, the party room says it was blue as mine to meet uh, Gene McLeod of arena design there. Billy, even though I was one of the people that built the set with McDavid's Young Gun, Upper Deck doesn't reveal print runs, even when people guess outrageously higher low numbers. That was in reference to the last episode. Glad to see you as always, Billy. Uh, okay, I'm just going to take a minute here, guys, to find the next on-point question. Trigger finger, the actor in the original card ladder commercial is tremendous. Why hasn't he loaded... Landed any uh, major acting roles yet? I'm sure it's just about to come. She blinded me. Andy says, biggest takeaway from the National was there are a ton of great people in this hobby. That's a great takeaway, Andy. A great takeaway. Toa, Jeremy, you're a machine. What's the pregame meal? I had fat burger for dinner tonight, guys. I had, oh my God, there's so many comments. How am I going to do this? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm seeing Jeremy have like existential angst right now. This is why I'm a terrible guest on Sports Cards Live because I'll talk and then there'll be a hundred new uh, guests. There's like 12 monster questions while you were talking. Okay. Can you Sorry see what time that. they're at so I can locate them? Because I'd like to. I mean, I'd I don't like want to answer most of them. So you sure. do or don't? I do not. You do not. Okay. Um, okay. Good gosh. 
uh, I'm just going to run through them. You guys tell me if you want to talk about them or can or, or whatever. And if, if not, we, we don't, I guess, we'll, we'll just run through. Oz Cardad, do the Card Ladder Labs, do they have any concerns moving forward in regard to the new eBay sales data tool? That's a great question. Um, first of all, it there's excellent potential with what eBay is doing. So eBay is making it easier, for example, with their price guide beta to be able to get a year's worth of a sales history, which is tremendous because right now, if you use their sold and completed, they only give you 90 days. So that is very promising. That's an increase in the level of transparency. Kudos to eBay for making that data available. Um, that's, that's one of the good parts here. Um, it's also good to introduce people to the concept of collection tracking and the concept of price guides based on comps if they're not already familiar with it. And I think that uh, as a tool like that gets rolled out and introduced to more people, uh, people who find it valuable are going to then do research and they're going to look and see what are some of the products and services that are providing uh, price tracking and, and attempting to be comprehensive price guides and attempting to provide collection tracking software. And if, if I may say so humbly, I think that if those people do a sufficient amount of research, they're going to encounter our product and they're going to give it a try and hopefully they will like it. So I see two main upsides to what eBay is providing here. I see a number of downsides as well, um, but I'm not really in the business of, uh, of giving tips and advice to, to people who have become competitors in a certain sense. Um, you know, we're providing uh, a price tracking and, a, and a, a comp website and a collection tracking service. And now, you know, eBay ostensibly is too. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope that that tool becomes refined and, uh, and becomes, you know, the best version that it can possibly be. And, and there's reasons to like it. There are, there are upsides to it. Oh, and one other upside is that I think it's now easier to see best offer accepted using their price guide feature. It's always been available through Terapeak, which is a subscription service, but it's also available to anybody with an eBay store. But uh, now I think it's even easier to see best offer accepted going back for the last year using the price guide. So that's a great feature as well. Like I said, I have ideas that are very easy concepts to employ, but uh, at this time, it's just really, there's no, there's no reason to supply them. Uh, but hey, eBay is, is more than welcome to, to get in touch with us. All right. Uh, Triple C says, why do you have a score? What? Why not just a change in price or percentage? What value does the score provide? Yep. We'll just tackle this really quickly because uh, we've already gone over some of the facets that are answers this question. First of all, we do have change in price and change in percentage. Um, but depending upon who you ask, one of those variables might be more important than the other one and or both matter. And in the case where both matter, if if you don't only care about a card that so, so for example, which is which is a hotter card, a card that goes from one hundred to two hundred dollars in the last two weeks or a card that goes from five dollars to fifty dollars uh, over the last two weeks. One has increased by an absolute dollar forty five. The other has increased by an absolute dollar one hundred. But the percentage difference tells the opposite story. So how do you split the difference or should both matter? And so for people who are concerned and who are interested about, hey, maybe both of those factors matter, score is a way to integrate and look at them both. But surely you do not need to look at score. Uh, you can just look at percentage change if, if that's what piques your interest or change in price. 
Yeah, like uh, this guy here says, I don't understand the point of the newest feature that you roll. Just give me the data. Well, you're 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 giving. Are you not also giving the data? Like, if you don't under, if you don't under, if hockey hockey ninety nine, I think it's Corey Parsons, doesn't understand the point of the newest feature, then just don't use it. Is that a simple answer to that? Yeah, it is. But <clears throat> this question also it gives an opportunity just to speak briefly about what the news feature is and why it's nice. Uh, but to Jeremy's first points, um, if you don't like the newest feature, the data that you are looking for, the data that you're looking for is still there. It is still nicely presented and packaged in there, uh, right in prominent eyeline, uh, right in your eyeline. But the newest feature is an attempt, a humble attempt, an attempt that will be riddled with flaws and mistakes and errors. But it's an attempt to assign a price, a real daily, a moving daily price to every card in our database and to any card that's not in the database. It's it's a very, very powerful tool. What's the point of it? Uh, you know, to some of us, that's an interesting concept. And it's interesting to to model where prices might be at in the interim between comps. And that, that uh, endeavor takes on increasing importance as the rarity and the scarcity of comps increases. So for super rare cards, um, Assigning a, a daily value is is more practically important than um, than super liquid cards that trade every day and are going to have a card ladder value that's the same as their last sold. Okay, and I just want to say to Josh, anytime you want to pipe in, because sure. I know Chris Chris is the, the data guy, but anytime you want to pipe in, just just let me know, Josh. Yeah, I can give a more like um, applicable example of what it's for, like. The, the comment was like, just give us the data. It is the same data. It's just more data. It's it's literally just more data. Uh, the example I've found to be the best and most helpful and, and how to use it is like a, it's like a guide on how to talk through a conversation of what a card is worth that hasn't sold in a long time. It's like the example I used was the PSA 10 Michael Jordan uh, Fleer Thrill Seekers. I think the last sale was in uh, January of 2021. And I believe it sold for about six, uh, maybe like nine grand. I can't remember. But the question is like, okay, so this hasn't sold since January. So you're at a show or you're, you're dealing with someone on Instagram and you say, okay, well, clearly we got to figure out what the price is since January. Where do we go from here? The next, the first thing you think about is like, well, what is like a similar Michael Jordan card done over that time span? What's something else we can comp it to that has sold more re recently? We can figure out where the market has moved. We've just done that in an automated process for every Michael Jordan card that we have in the system. So you can just literally map out what has happened since January for all Michael Jordan cards. And it gives you a jump off point to say where that that thrill seekers would be potentially today if it had followed all of the Michael Jordan cards averaged and normalized since that date. And it's just a conversation starter in terms of like, how do we value this thing? Because that's the ultimate question is like, what's this worth today relative to what it was then? Does that mean this is the value you two should should consummate in this deal? Potentially, maybe not. It's just a conversation starter because usually, you know, most people are afraid to give the first price because they don't want to be too high or too low. So, you know, we'd love to help give some sort of answer to that question. Okay. There was a question that came up. Uh, just want, I'm not going to put it up there, but they said, uh, is this a hobby for you guys or more of a business endeavor? both i mean we're we've been hobbyists for five years and we lead in with that and we use the hobby knowledge we have in order to spring up the business that we now own 
And is there is there anything? I mean, this is a question to the chat too. But is there anything like inherently wrong with with turning using your hobby knowledge or skills to maybe make it into a business? Like, what is what's fundamentally wrong with that? I, I don't I don't understand that that kind of line of thinking. Like, just you know, so many so many collectors go you know they use their hobby experience and knowledge to to earn a living because it's what they love doesn't mean you're stop being a collector that that line of thought which i've only heard a couple times so i'm not i'm not picking on anyone in particular but if someone out there feels that way um you're just you're very narrow-minded and uh and i think i think you need help uh sort of understanding the way the world works because you know you know, if, if you like if you like cars, you might go into car racing or selling cars. Is that wrong? Right. I, I don't I think that's wrong. <laughs> anyway, just just a just a, a random thought there that I was having as I'm thinking about that. Um, I'm going to bring this one up because I've heard it before and I, and I think it's interesting. But um, DR, uh, 13,000 cards in the database. How do you explain the reliability of the product with I think he's saying with only 13,000 cards in the database? Um, can one of you speak to that? Yeah. Uh, for example, um, the last golden auction had about 6,000 lots in it or so, and Card Ladder had coverage of about 60% of that auction. Um, as, as, a, as a general observation, um, Card Ladder is, it, there, there's millions of cards out there. But there are certain ones that transact far more frequently than others and are, quite frankly, more followed and more in demand to be followed than others. And of the 13,200 that are in the database, uh, we have a surprisingly, surprisingly robust level of coverage. Um, even the mile high auction, which is mostly vintage, you know, vintage oriented, vintage baseball, basketball, football. Um, when the when the data tracking was done from their auction that ended, I think it was Thursday night of last week, um, I didn't run any systematic analysis of how much coverage we had, but I'm sure it was around half. Uh, so not bad for a database that's a year old, I would humbly submit. And in the bigger picture, um, eBay released statistics that said it had about 850 million in total sales in the first quarter of this year. And at that time, our database was about half the size that it is now. And over that same period, we tracked around 250 million in sales. Um, now, some of those sales came from auction houses and other platforms. But uh, if that, you know, if that rate of if, if, if 6,000 cards or so, which is what we had at the time, uh, but very strategically selected based on a democratic voting process that helped us get the most important cards in the system first, if 6,000 cards translated to about 25% to 30% coverage of eBay, now we have 13,200 and those same cards were added using the same methodology, it stands to reason that the comprehensiveness of the coverage is getting strong quickly. Um, but by the same token, you know, will this, it, it, there's, a, there's a philosophical choice that we made, which is that we prioritize accuracy and depth of data. So when, if and when a card makes it into our database, there will never be a better data set for that card. That card is going to have its all-time sales history. It's going to have a picture of the specific card in the specific grade. It's going to have links out to references and resources that are specific to that card. It's going to have links to its population report. It's, it's, it's going to have its population report being generated. It's going to have a very well-defined search query. We're going to pull in sales from that card from 
13 different platforms and that list is counting. So that's the other side of that coin too, is that when, it, when we do begin tracking a card, that card is being properly tracked and you're not going to see bad data associated with it going forward. So I wanted to, to throw that in there. And then, we, you know, we also, we have around 1500 different players in the database and we now offer the ability to do what we're calling the price check. So based on the assumption, uh, which which is, a, is, which is an assumption that can be wrong in some situations, but based on the assumption that a player's total market index is a reliable predictor for the general movements of any individual card that would comprise that player's index, we allow anybody to, to, to name the player and a comp of a card in the past, and they just punch in that information, and the price check feature is going to project where that player's total market index would suggest the current price of the card is. See, hearing, hearing myself say that, it sounds pretty nuanced, but it's it's a very simple process ultimately in practice, and I encourage anybody who's intrigued to try it out. I know Jake, 90s b-ball cards in the audience, has, has used it to much success with his Penny Hardaway collection so far. Uh, so, all right, let me pause there and see if Josh has any thoughts on that topic too. Uh, no, not really. You, you, you covered it pretty well. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, the, the price prediction stuff for the collection, I think people are looking for it to like, I saw some of the questions, people are looking for it to like track specific comps and sales and it will for cards that are in the ladder. Right. So like if you're trying to add a card that we don't have in the 13,000 and your, your concern is like, oh, we only have 13,000. I've actually spent the majority of my time. So Chris spends the majority of his time you know, vetting the sales, adding the cards, uh, really combing over the database and making sure it's pristine. I've spent a lot of time on the UX and the experience from our users to try to uh, give the per perception or feeling that we do have every single card in the system. And, and there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, mostly, you know, adding, adding the card that you have that we do not have, giving you notifications when the card that you submitted to us has been accepted, you know, merging those two cards once it is accepted in our database making that a smooth process and now with this new feature that's one thing we didn't talk about yet but like the new card ladder value the main purpose for me of what it solves is like again giving you that guide on where to start to value your own cards that no one else can do because if you own a penny hardaway grand finale and this card hasn't sold publicly in i don't you know i don't even know if it ever has but if i can at least punch in what i paid for it and when i bought it maybe it was three five ten years ago and if the system can at least give me a decent estimate based on the Penny Hardaway market since that date and time, it's a great starting point. It may not be the most accurate thing ever. I don't think anyone can give me an accurate answer of what that's worth unless I send it to auction. And at which point, if it sends the auction, I can update my score, right? Um, if it at least gives me some sort of answer, you know, it gives you this feeling that like something is tracking my value and I'm getting some sort of update every single day. And I can at least have a decent estimate for insurance purposes, for uh, the purposes of um, um, appraising my own collection for, you know, a deal with a, you know, another buyer or whatever. There's all these different use cases for it. And we're not attempting to like give the perfect answer. That's impossible. What we're attempting to do is, is guide people into what we feel uh, can help them, you know, get started with their collection and tracking it every day. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense to me. Okay. I'm going to go back in time here. I, there's a comment that I'm going to address here. Uh, from Triple C, he says, transparent, do you have a third party audit your data decisions? So um, I'm just, I'm going to take this one on your behalf, guys. 
Uh, and I'm going to say that, you know, tra it is trans. We, we did talk about transparency. There's nothing that they're saying is not transparent. But the key to this is that they don't. They, number one, they sort of are the third party verifying the data. And number two, anything that isn't included goes goes out for public for the public to discern themselves. So you can be the third party. I think when you when you offer third party verification or third party audit to the whole hobby, you don't need to hire someone to come in and do that and pay them. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. So I think it's the ultimate in transparency myself. Um, Chris, anything to add that I did not say? Very, very briefly, uh, uh, we do, there, there sort of is a, a fourth party, uh, who, which is our users. Um, let me tell you. That's what I'm have, saying. Yeah, we have super active users that we get lots and lots of messages every day that that help 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 us, you know, make sure that if we miss a sale, we include it, and or, or if we include a bad sale, we catch it. And also, um, suppose there was a, a fifth party that was helping to judge the third and the fourth parties. That just opens the question: Who's going to judge the fifth party? And then when you start judging the fifth party, who's going to judge the sixth party? And all of a sudden, you get, you get an infinite regress. Um, I think I think the fact that you allow crowdsourcing to do it by putting the any data point that doesn't get included into purgatory is the ultimate in in audit and transparency. Let's leave it at that because that that's as simple and and clear and logical as we need to get. Zaggy yes says agreed. Give me clean data so I don't have to cleanse it myself. These men are doing God's work. I think that's a, a nice <laughs> and pretty much an, an accurate comment as well. Uh, that it's it's not easy work, and you guys. I mean, I, I know I know the hours you keep, so pretty pretty uh, pretty crazy, um, and and it is a nice service that you guys are providing. The fact that you are vetting this data for the hobby, so that's great. Uh, Mike Wick says, "Sounds like you guys put in a lot of time and hard work. We appreciate your time and effort and love for the hobby." Uh, Amit from Cardboard Culture says, "I love how Christina had Sasha T off your card letter business cards. One of his, I love the mindset to keep marketing your product nicely played." I smiled when I saw that. All right. I'm not, I don't know what that's all about, but wonderful. Thank you, Amit, for joining. Uh, Jordan says, would a 60-second time limit on answers be helpful? It might be, but uh, <laughs> Chris is uh, Chris likes to be very uh, thorough in his... Why does this always happen? I, I, this is like the millionth show I've been on where they said, can we put a time limit on this guy? <laughs> I've yeah, been rambling, yeah. too, a little Fair. bit. It's not just Chris. Fair. Okay, so let's see. Uh, I'm going to bring up this one here. eBay will improve their tool uh, moving forward and is free, and they may keep their sales data in house, which would affect the price, uh, the price. Sorry, the paid data tools currently. The difference there is that eBay is only going to track eBay data. Tools like Card Ladder, and there are others. Um, they're, they're. I mean, you guys are, are are getting data, sales data from. I know no less than thirteen sources. Is that number even more than thirteen now, or is it still at thirteen? We we did just add another auction house last night, so I, I think technically it is fourteen now. Okay, so I mean that that's a that's a humongous uh, difference than what what eBay is doing. Not to say that eBay's tool isn't good for eBay comps, but you guys are providing a much more robust indication of the overall market, and I think that that's uh, that's important. Zaggy says eBay will never be able to catch card letter on their card specific features such as my collection or indices. Yeah, I mean. Maybe, maybe not, but definitely not on the robustness of the of a picture of the whole hobby itself. Uh, Triple C says uh, your your Carlos. I'm not. I don't know who he's talking about. Compared your 
it's either oh, it's probably because I'm Carlos compared your score and prediction as more research. Is that fair? He also pointed out that you are an influencer to so many that this could be concerning. What do you, what do you say to, uh, to that? Um, it's definitely research, right? It's, it's like a, like we've said, it's an additive tool that you can add to your belt to, to help you figure out things in the sports card market. It's not meant to be, you know, the, the absolute market price for the whole world. We're not telling everyone what it should and shouldn't be. And there, it is so much, he's so right about the research part because we literally wrote a fucking research white paper about it, seven pages. Uh, so it is like internally for us, it is research. It is, uh, data science is very important to us. So on that front, he's correct. Uh, on the influencer side, um, I know what he's saying, but like it is, it. I hate to just like to narrow it down. It is math. Like I, I'm not, we're not punching in these these uh, CL values manually as much as people might want us to do that to to make their stuff look more expensive. We are not doing that. It's math. So it's literally just taking the last. Just read the white paper. It's math. So like we can't influence the mathematics of it. I don't like. Since Chris and I built it and I implemented it in the code, I, I haven't even touched it. It just runs every night. In the middle of the night, you wake up in the morning, you see the new prices. It changed because of the new math from the sales the night before. Uh, the influencer part potentially could be like, it could be like on the cards we add, I guess. You know, there's some sticking point of like, if we add, if we added all of our cards that we own into the system, there could be some potential issues there I could see you know, just being fair about the question. Uh, but we mark all the cards that we own as as owned, you know, in the system. So you know which ones we own. We also go by uh, what our users submit to, to, the, to the ladder, not us. I would love to have all my cards in the ladder. I think I'm probably in the, I probably have one of the lowest percentages of cards in the system of anyone because, you know, when I just, I own a lot of rare things, but like I've probably got 20% of my collection that's actually in card ladder, maybe a little bit less. So, you know, we don't, we're not adding our own stuff really. We're just kind of adding what people vote and I would love for more of my stuff to get in, but that's not how it works. And I guess that speaks to this comment here. Isn't this new feature a conflict of interest because you guys are also collectors, but if it's just, if it's math and, and what the thing about you guys that I really respect is that it's all transparent. There's no, there's nothing hidden about, about these, these formulas and, the white paper that you that you wrote that explains this i would i would recommend anyone who's making a comment like this one have you read the white paper because if you if you have you might know what it is and not just put out a comment because you like to you know stir the pot which is i think what criminal mind is just likes to do which, which is fine i mean that's how some people live their life but is that like, does that, is it just, it's math backed by the, the logic behind it, which is documented and published in the white paper. Is that, am I right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Troy says, someone asked the bottom guy a question. <laughs> That's Josh. Well, Josh, we, we just heard that, that, that comment's already 20 minutes. Ask old, about so. code and no more sales vetting. I'll answer. Uh, this question here, I heard card letter doesn't include buy it now sales. Is that true? No, that's not true. That, that's uh, blatantly uh, untrue and um, shame on whoever would perpetrate that. Uh, always ask yourself when misinformation is spread, who benefits? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think a lot of people just uh, I think a lot of people in the hobby it's like any, it's like any uh, group of people in culture in, in our in our society. You know, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have some people that just 
like to throw shade because, uh, and I think one thing else is important is that this is what I've thought about a lot recently over the last month or so is that people in our hobby and in any walk of life who mistrust certain people, I think we project as humans, we project. So if you, if, if you're projecting that, I think that's how you would be. That's, I think, the person that you would be if you were in this position. I think you would be the mistrusted person. And that's and you're projecting it upon people who you, you really don't know who they are, what they are. But, but it says more about you as a person for throwing shade that that's how you would behave if you were in their shoes. I, I think I think there's really validity to that because Jeremy, just- that that's that's deep, man. That's that's one of the most interesting psychological insights to ever make its way into the uh, into a waveform on a sports card podcast. And we need more of that. We need more of this philosophizing from time to time. But that's that's excellent insight, sir. People really want us to be bad guys, Jeremy. What is going on? And that, yeah, but well, because they're. I hate to break it to you guys, but we're not bad guys. We're just we're just two nerds that built a data tool, and we're having fun with it. But that's okay. It's because people look and se- they look at themselves first. They know who they are and how they would behave, and then they assume that other people do too. Like I said, it says a lot more about them than it says about you and people who know you. And many of them are in this room right now. Many of them we we you know met you for the first time or have been spending time with you guys online. At the show. Um, I think I think they have a, they know the real the realness behind it and the people throwing shade are just again it's it's more about who they are than who who you are I think that's I, I'm, I'm gonna stand by that for sure uh, Tampa here says people get butthurt over other people making a nickel that's for sure and, and again it's the same thing people who can't do it you know they 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 air their frustrations against others. So I, th- I doesn't think doesn't everyone doesn't everyone need to make money in some avenue? Like if your skill is cards, you should be doing that. If your skill is programming, you should be doing that. If your skill is being a lawyer, you should make money doing it. It's I, I'm not sure. I'm not understanding how you, uh, the like you have to make money. You got to do something. So you might as well do exactly what you want to do, right? So I don't know. How about this one, Jordan? Uh, and this goes both ways. Are there any cases where you guys buy cards without utilizing card ladder? But at the same time, are there cases where you buy cards with using card ladder? Start um, with uh, you, Josh. I use the hell out of it at National because we hadn't launched card ladder value yet intentionally. So I was cheating and like using it on my phone. And that's actually how I know what to build next a lot of times. Like I'll use it. And I was annoyed at a couple of things while I was at the show because this is the first really major show where I was able to use the app in person. And, and I took a, a bunch of notes of like things that were bothering me about the app, but the, I use the card ladder value not to like toot the horn and, and make it about this right now, but I used the hell out of that feature because there were so many cards that walked up to our table. Where I'm like, God, that, that hasn't sold in so long public. It'd be like a shack, a, a rare shack card. And I could just pull up shack on the app. Excuse me. Look at some of the card ladder values and know like, okay, so Shaq's moved. Look at the Shaq player index. Know that Shaq market's moved X in the last couple months. I can at least give it, throw a number at. I can reduce the the price of what the app is showing and make the offer to this to this person, right? So like, it's a very easy place to start. So I I'm trying to think of like a time I haven't used it. I, I mean, I, I at least look at the player index every time when I'm making a deal. So I at least go that far. Um, I mean, if it's like a super rare penny card and it just like, you know, I'm just like going off complete gut, I might not use the app, but it's pretty rare. How about you, Chris? 
Same. And uh, that's why this the price check feature is to me, especially as like time rolls by and it's sort of been out in the ethos for a little while and the atmosphere for a little while. Um, not the ethos, the ether. It's been in the ether for a little while. Uh, I It's my favorite uh, feature on maybe on card letter ever because it's it's just like Josh said you can you can it's it's so it's as simple as like let's say you're you're buying a rare Shaquille O'Neal card and and you go and you look on um, you know PWCC's market research tool because we don't have the card in our database and you see that the last comp was from three years ago and so you say okay so this card was five hundred dollars three years ago how do I even begin to figure out what it's worth today. And the common sense intuition that collectors go through when they're negotiating is one guy is going to tell you, well, the shack market's up 10x. So I think we have to do this. Or here's a similar card. You know, we comment on that. So we just we gave a math shortcut that says here's a total market index for Shaquille O'Neal. And by the way, those are not easy to calculate. So I know we have some some people who like to follow our lead in the sports data space. That's that's one of the reasons why we publish the white paper. If even if you're going to copy our features please read the white paper because if you don't properly use divisors and if you don't properly calculate a total market player index, you could give people really dangerously bad data. So like read the white paper, learn how to use divisors, learn how total market indexes are calculated, learn how to account for the addition of new cards over time. But that's a, that's a side note. So I, what we give people the ability to do is to plug in that shack card at $500 three years ago and the total market index of Shaquille O'Neal cards in our system is going to say, okay, on the whole, the Shaquille O'Neal market is up 5x since that $500 sale that projects a value of $2,500 today. This was something that I did manually for years when trying to price cards, but I didn't have access to a total market index. So I would just have to go off of one card or one comparable. Now there's 1,500 players with the total market index that you can just literally you take 10 seconds, pick the player, put the price paid of the comp and the date of the comp. That whatever the comp is you're looking at, a $500 shack from three years ago, whatever, just plug it in and you get a price check that comes out. Is that the definitive market value? No, it is not. But is it a tool that you can use to maybe like Josh should form a starting place of a discussion? It could be. It could It could be. Or it could be wildly off base, but it's something. It's, it's an interesting tool. And that ever since that tool has come out, I mean, I use it just out of curiosity's sake even. I use it all the time. So, you know, for me, that that's that's one of the ways to use, you know, the card ladder features. But like in terms of really using card ladder to buy cards, I do not, quite frankly. I have cards that are on my bucket list of what I want to collect that have been on my bucket list since 2016 before Josh and I even had a had had the, the notion of, of starting card ladder. So and I'm still mowing down that list. Uh, so, you know, I whether the card is on card ladder or not. It does not impact, you know, my personal uh, collecting trajectory whatsoever. Okay, guys, thanks for that response. Um, a, a bunch of the co- to the to the chat and the audience, a bunch of the comments have now I can't access them anymore. There's just too many, so I've lost a bunch of them. Uh, so unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to address. Uh, I don't know how many I lost, but anyway, we're we're just going to move on. But I do see uh, the most recent, the oldest comment I have is here from uh, Jake. He says, I've used it a ton and love it. It's fun and very helpful for my PC. He then goes on to say, I'm a card ladder user, if that's what you're asking, to triple C. Um, Joseph Galante says, it's needed and I used it every night at trade night at the National. So that's that's helpful. Uh, Jahan says to Chris, I'm jpine38 in case you're wondering, but I don't know what nice. you said before, Jahan. I, I lost your comments. I don't know if Chris might have seen them though. But that's great. 
Uh, Rage says people need to understand that the super rare SSSPs and, ra and rare hard to find and pop, they pop up like two that only pop up twice are not tied to concrete to the last sale period. That's a good point. I agree with that. The lawn mm -hmm. likes card ladder stoke to me, you guys, if national ever comes to California, I don't think it will. Your content is always awesome. Your sports talk is always cool. Nice. Super bad. Any thoughts on of PSA set registry value? Do you think it's up to date? Set, I think you mean the population report or do you mean the set? Do you mean the weightings within the set registry? We'll leave that one for now. Uh, Joe says it's not just for super rare cards. It has base cards as well. Talking about card ladder, I believe. Uh, Triple C wants to know who is the voice that does the intro for sports cards culture. I love it. Who is that? I know who it is. Who is it, Chris? Well, that's a very polarizing topic in the card letter world. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But uh, that is Stiff Arm Wax, the man in the closet. <laughs> the man in the closet. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tyson Lee says, the stock market works just fine and card letter at its most basic principle, our basic form runs off the same principle. Well said. Well Thank said. Thank you. Uh, Let's see here. Sorry, guys. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a second here to find what might be a good uh, and and you know important comment. Uh, well, Johan says people should listen to House of Jordan. Go back before the hype. Yeah, that, if yeah. you really want to know if I can't speak to Josh on this, although Cardboard Chronicles uh, was was a great body of work uh, and continues to be, but but uh, House of Jordan certainly is and really shines. The collector shines through uh, both of uh, Chris and Christina and Brian on that show. Uh, Yamwax says, you guys track so many sales. Are there any cards or segment that have surprised you lately? Um, who wants it? Josh, you're nodding. You want it? I, I'm going to go to you because I know Chris will take too long. So how about yeah. you, Josh? No, it's really interesting when people say something to Chris and I to the effect of like, oh, this market is super hot. And then we like, whenever they say that, we just, we go look up their, their index and like check. And we're like, actually, it's down 10% in the last month. But yeah, sure. It is up. You should keep buying it um the football stuff is doing really really well like josh allen his index is up like 20 percent in the last month which is in, which is an insane amount in one month um a, a lot of the football guys are doing really well right now i mean that's clearly because of the uh the lead up to the hype of the season starting again um but it's just something interesting we've seen uh like wrestling cards do really well soccer's had had its ups and downs but soccer's done really well over the last year pokemon's done well there's just a lot of stuff that you wouldn't expect has grown a lot over the last year that, that really has. And, um, when, to the, I mean, just honestly, just like looking through the player indexes, you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about different players like, uh, Kobe Bryant, his index is, is way down right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with just, just how much it went up prior to that. Like Kobe's run up in price was completely astronomical nothing's ever matched it that i've seen kobe bryant stuff just went absolute bananas and it's sort of self-correcting right now and his stuff is down quite a bit but that's just because it went up so much all right i'm gonna move on i'm gonna take this uh again i've lost comments again because the chat is is just firing away here uh triple c auction houses are what we the people use do you consider scraping facebook groups and ig i think i think you guys can't really do that but you do have the private <clears throat> sale feature now which covers that if people are willing to use and are going to, so the option is there. We'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave that sort of at that. I think that's fine to go there. Um, Offlick says the eBay tool has a long way to go. Let's see what else we got here. 
Tampa says, people have always said that Dr. Beckett was fudging numbers and then picking up the cards he wanted that he printed were going down value. It will always be, it will always be an issue in private companies. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, the guy's just like bursting with integrity. So, but people yeah. are always going to, people are always going to poke at successful people because, because that's human nature for, for people who don't want to see other people succeed. If you want to, if you, if you like humanity, you're probably not going to take that position. You know my take on skeptics as well, Jeremy. Even <laughs> if the skeptics are attacking us, uh, I think we need them. And I think they keep things on an even keel. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Let's see if I want to do this one first because this guy is, this guy sometimes has horrible takes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll put it out there. Hockey hockey, says, yeah. hockey hockey says, I noticed Card Ladder didn't put out any national card negotiation videos. Would be interesting to see videos of failed negotiations. There's more to learn from that than the success stories. It's actually a good point. Uh, the, the, what are you implying that, that we fail that we're that we will be the failures at negotiations? I, if anyone's gonna that, fail, where's it where's our content to hold that that down? Yeah, please. and it's kind of a it's actually you know it assumes that that that's what you were there to do was was film negotiations. I think we leave, I think I mean you guys, I was there. I saw. I actually I would say I, I didn't see much of you, Chris, because every time I went by the card ladder station, you were you were there very little. Josh was there more because you were busy working through the night doing your job. So um, I don't think these guys had time to to, to videotape that. So to say sure. that you know card ladder didn't put out any. Uh, negotiation videos. It's like that's why is that? Are you assuming that's their job? Hockey, hockey, you probably are. Because how about we well, let's break some news on Sports Card Live right now. We will, uh, if we ever epically fail in a negotiation, and uh, we have the ability to capture it on camera, we will upload that epic failure uh, in dedication to Hockey Hockey ninety nine, so that. A failure of negotiation will be documented on you. And then we'll title it Mistakes That I Made at National. That's always a really clickbaity title. So I mean it's pretty good content. Are we Top five Jeremy, mistakes. I yeah. wonder why we don't we don't, Jeremy. We don't really make that many deals. Chris and I buy like ten cards a year. We really we just don't make that many deals. Like I know it sounds kind of boring and you people may want to like uh you know, fantasize that that Chris and I do like hundreds of deals and we're wheeling and dealing all the time. We really don't. We we like the data side of it a little bit more than we do the deal making process. Uh, and I like the the programming and, and development side of things more. And the cards that I collect, it just you know, I either find them or I don't. And if I do, I buy them. And if I don't, then I just kind of move on. I don't. I do a little bit of flipping and selling when I when it when the opportunity arises, but I don't really seek it out. Yeah, but fair. Fair enough. And there's enough guys walking around these shows documenting that. And it's it's highly entertaining. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like if, if everyone was doing it, I think it would get a little bit boring. All right. Offlick says, I think people need to think of Card Ladder as a very helpful guide and not the hobby's official price guide. I see Card Ladder much more accurate than the Beckett guide was back in the day. Um, I mean, that's just it. No one's forcing anyone to use this or to... And, and you've never once said that these are what cards are worth. You very... It, it's all transparent. What is supposed to what what you you guys are trying to to do with with the various um, uh, metrics that you're providing? But I want to bring this this comment on. I want I want one of you to address this one here from Triple C. Uh, he says because we talked about math, but he says you know what to say about math, about numbers. Are used to tell what the author wants, and then he says seems like you are dodging the point. You are 
your influencing users with math is okay. Very, very assumption laden. Not my, not, not a comment that I think is, uh, is a cool one whatsoever, but, but I don't want to, I don't want to leave it off. So, I mean, any who do either of you want to respond to this? It's up to you if you want to. If you don't, we'll just move on. That's fine too. Well, I think the commenter has the uh, the cliche backwards. I think the cliche is men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. I I think that's actually the one that he was reaching for there. But let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's it's uh, it's definitely worth being very concerned and focused and skeptical of pricing in sports cards on any level in any way, shape or form, even if all a website was doing is just tracking comps and just aggregating them, they should be scrutinized uh, and those numbers should be looked at carefully. And um, honestly, always, always with a skeptical eye. So having a skeptical eye is great. And Whatever the point is, um, I'm not sure what the point being dodged is, influencing users with math. You know, to the extent that there's a reason to be worried about that, um, I can assure you that we are. (laughs) I can assure you that it's it worries me. So, like, for example, we have this new card letter value feature. And one of the things that Josh and I made sure to install before the feature launched was a little metric on the dashboard called daily accuracy. And what, here's what that feature is in a nutshell. Uh, that feature says of the 2,000 sales, for example, that happened yesterday, each one had a card letter value. And you know, card letter value is just calculated by taking the last comp and tying it to the player's index. That's all it is. Uh, but okay, so card letter value, how accurate was it compared to the comp? And, and so th- we'll get 2,000 different results, different percentages. This one was 98% accurate. This one was 80% accurate. This one was 50% accurate. We add them all together and then we divide it by the total number of sales that we retrieved that night and vetted. And then we display that number so that you can see with, the, with I don't know how to make it more transparent than that. If there's a way to do it, I would love to do it. So you can see just how accurate on the aggregate uh, the card letter value is percentage wise. And if you want to look at the accuracy of any particular card, just go to its profile. You'll see the card letter value there and right underneath it, you see last sold and the date of the last sold. And so that percentage gets published to the dashboard every day. So specifically so that people can know, look, here's the plus or minus variance that you might want to think about. And of course, that's imperfect. That's really not how a confidence interval is calculated. But it's it's a rough approximation of here's here's roughly speaking how accurate on average this value is. And by the way, that number is going to be against our it's not going to be in our favor because we have lots of raw cards. We have lots of BGS slabs that have subgrades. So there's naturally going to be a high variance um, just based on the fact that raw cards will vary and have huge swings from week to week. But we still publish the number and the number is not in our favor, right? It's, it's traditionally it's been 75%. But so, you know, anytime you look at a card ladder value, uh, assume a plus or minus 25% width on it. Because what we're telling you is the card letter values have been 75% accurate. But look, if there's a way we can be more transparent, there's a way we can not dodge the point. If there's a way that we can explain anything more fully, I'm all for it. I'd love to do it. You know, as Zaggy here says, 99.9% of the hobby trusts you guys. Of course, you need to trust the founders uh, in order to trust any data tool. I, I, I trust you guys. 
I don't think I think it's all good, but it's that 0.1% that are just, you know, they, they, even if they read the white paper and, and Triple C wants to know, is it available to the public? Uh, he can't find it. So quick, yes or no, is it available to the public? The white paper? I mean, technically the link is public, but like it's inside the app, which is for pro members. But yeah. I mean, you could just you could just share it, right? So it could be yeah. shared. So why, why can't you get it, COVID card collector? Are you not a paying member of the app? <laughs> get a free not. trial. We we do offer a seven day free trial for those thirsty to read a white paper about a product that they're not using. But well, yeah, yeah, that's the other. I guess that's it. And it's it's the one percent, the point one percent that Zaggy here refer uh, refers to. Um, you know, th they're probably not going to understand the white paper anyway. So I don't, you know, and. and to understand what it is that you're doing. Cause let's just face a, a portion of people just won't understand it. Cause it is, I mean, it is some, you know, you need to be sophisticated. I, I believe I have a level of sophistication and intelligence to understand any white paper, never mind the card ladder white paper. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, Justin says, if these guys didn't own cards, someone would come and say they don't have skin in the game. That's a very, of course they would. That's a, it's a very good point. Tampa agrees. Yeah, you can't win either way. Very true. Um, card porn says, can we talk about some cards? What fun things did we see at the National? I mean, we can. Uh, we can. You got throw a couple out there, guys. Grant Grant having the Jordan uh, essential credentials out of 72 was was a, was very tempting. And amazing to see that card sitting out. I uh, love that freaking card. That I, I couldn't believe it. Like not only could I believe that there was one on the floor, but it was literally in our booth with us, uh, teasing, taunting me the whole time. Yeah the the one of one LeBron ultimate at the Golden Booth was. I mean that's that's my number one card of all time ever created. Just you know my personal opinion. So to see that in person was pretty pretty insane. Um, yeah, Grant had really nice stuff at our booth. Um, Man, so many cards. I saw there was like I mentioned in a crossover, but someone had like a, a second year Mahomes cracked ice on card auto. I didn't even know that card existed, and I was like, this card is freaking sweet. That they they still do the autos on the cracked ice contenders in the second year. I want one of those. Um, someone had a really nice Penny Hardaway setup. I thought it was impressive. I usually don't see a lot of that. Uh, Justin and and John and Kramer had a really sweet three way three person table with just amazing stuff all types of high-end jordan autos and kobe and lebron stuff uh and duncan i think i saw a duncan green pmg uh penny green pmg my and then also my penny green pmg the credentials jordan i saw like a jordan rubies a pmg red jordan it's like all this crazy stuff that you know it's kind of cool to see in person all right good stuff wow I can't. I, I just can't keep up with the comments. This happens sometimes when I have great guests on the show. So, um, and I just want to thank everybody for joining. You know, thank you for joining the show. If you're new to Sports Cards Live, you know, hit that thumbs up. If you're enjoying this, if you're not enjoying this, hit the thumbs up. But be sure to subscribe. Be sure to. I put on the upcoming episodes down here, uh, going up through the next couple of weeks, and I can tell you that the episodes are not going to stop. Lots of great guests coming right through the end of the year it's only going to get better so let's see if we can find any other uh good comments here because as i've mentioned i've lost a, i've lost them in, in chunks today because you guys are so on fire there uh frankie says uh even though i didn't have the card ladder value at national 
Frank, it's called the national, not nationals only because we're friends. Will I correct you? It's called the national <laughs> having the sales history and last sale price date info was incredibly effective in making decisions for my pickup. So there's someone who used it and enjoyed it. And Frankie, you're just a good dude. Overall guys, check out the episode with Frankie. He owns a card shop in San Juan, Puerto Rico called collections. I believe mm-hmm. very awesome. Very awesome. Uh, what else do we got here, guys? Uh, Rage says Carlatter is a pocket roundabout guide like the Kelly Blue Book of the hobby, which is, I think, for, for vehicles, not the Holy Bible. People stop it. Use your own research and stop being lazy before you hate on the next man. Fair, fair comment. Fair comment. Michael Coleman in the house. Is that Coleman Coleman? Yes, it is. I can tell by the intimidating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) The hair and the icon threw me off, Coleman. But he says, you mean I don't have to get free appraisals on cards anymore? Exactly, exactly. Criminal Mind says, Jeremy, I'd just like to ask tough questions. If we all trusted our politicians, we'd all be in trouble. These guys aren't politicians, though. But okay, you be you, Criminal Mind. You be you. That's fine. Uh, Cards to Car, welcome back to the show. Jordan Hudson says, uh, one thing that no one ever says is they could have built a ladder and kept it quiet, never told anyone, probably made more money by using the data and less headache. Possibly, possibly. Jahan (laughs) says, Chris is a nerd who wanted to nerd out on cards, basically. Yeah, that's uh, right. Chris, we're we're, we're all proud to be nerds in this room. I think uh, that's just just the way it is. Guilty Guilty as a charge. Zaggy loves the thinking there, Chris. That's next level stuff. Indices are immensely helpful. Good stuff. DR says, I read the white paper this evening and I would ask you guys to put a stronger qualitative section for those of us that aren't as big on quantitative methods. A mixed methods document would be nice. Maybe a comment. It is, except um, every single calculation came with an illustration. Every single one. So if there's like a math formula that's laid out that says, here's how this is being calculated, then it's followed with a tangible example to illustrate it. Because I'm also more, ironically, more of a qualitative thinker than a quantitative thinker. So I know the power of examples. So maybe give it another look through and see if the examples help. Because if they don't, I'm not quite sure how to make it more qualitative. Good. Flipping Steve in the house. If you're still here, this comment is 20 minutes old, but Flipping Steve still has my sticker on the. I didn't put that on there, Steve. We were at the Lowe's Hotel uh, during that big trade night that happened, Filmington's organized event. And uh, actually, the personal finance that Dustin's wife took one of my uh, logo stickers and stuck it on Flipping Steve's uh, card case. And uh, he told me he was going to keep it there. So, Steve, that's an honor. I'm glad that you still have it on your case thank you so much thank you so much buddy and great to meet you at the show guys check out his channel he does great lives uh regularly as well delon says how come there's so much negativity nowadays it's because people don't like themselves for the most part delon but he says i'm pretty slow dude but but can you pick up i'm pretty slow dude but can pick up negativity is it money jamming people i've noticed a lot of negativity besides sports cards usually my lane but all right yeah it's because people are just People get depressed, especially during, uh, especially during you know pandemics and stuff. It's 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 a tough time for a lot of people, and I think in to to a large degree, I'm sort of taking the position now where I just want these guys to get happy. I just I just I just want you guys to work through your your issues and 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 get happy. I wish you all I wish you all well, for sure. Tyson Lee says the card ladder fifty just stands for the top fifty cards, no different from the stock market. It's an indice. 
they're not trying to manipulate anything, but just running, give the guys, but just run. I don't understand the end of that Tyson, but thank you. Card porn. What were the best things you saw at the national, both in cards and other companies? That's a good question. Let's I'm going to bring this one up. Uh, the, there's a new company out there. They're doing crowdsourced grading. They're called card score. Did either of you guys see card scores booth and, uh, and, what do you know about it? And what do you, anyone want to talk about what, what your uh, first impressions are about card score? Jeremy, maybe you could talk about the booth a little bit. Cause I didn't get to go to that booth. I didn't either. Yeah. So, but you, are you familiar with what they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So card score, they had a booth there. What card score is, it's a crowdsourced grading platform where you scan in your card and it is sent to their pool of graders who are throughout the hobby I think every card is graded by 50 different uh, card score graders. And I even read the, actually I have their, I picked up their, their documentation here. They had a, a whole thing that explains kind of what they're, what they're up to and um, explains you know, how, basically it says, what is card score? How do I submit cards, raw cards? How do cards get scored? Professionally graded cards. Um, and then they even talk about how, the graders who grade closer to the mean will be will get more opportunities to grade more cards because they are more accurate. I thought that was really cool. I think it's a pretty interesting um, business idea. I talked one on one with the founder of the company, a uh, real smart guy, a, a tech guy who basically said everything is being crowdsourced nowadays except the hobby. Why not the hobby? His comment was, "Why do I have to send my cards to California to find out?" what condition they're in and what they're worth. I thought it was interest, an interesting take. But basically, you scan your card, it goes out, and you get a, a score back, and there's a way to marry the score to the actual card. So, But really high level, it's crowdsourced grading, and I believe that eye appeal is going to be the most important factor because these people aren't able to take the card and like you know, kind of do this to, to really see it. So what, what were your thoughts on what you know about this so far? Josh, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'm... It'd be really hard to grade surface because, like you said, um, you know the the only the only real way to grade surface is to get your hands on it. And I know for 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 sure that the the people at PSA actually, um, I'm told they don't wear gloves because they actually need to get their fingers on it. They have to actually feel the surface and feel if there's imperfections or dimples and stuff. So you won't be able to get 100% accuracy on the surface on the surface grade for sure, which is makes it tough. And then my next question is. Um, Let's say you get the grade back. Now what? You still have to send it in to get it slabbed and professionally authenticated anyways. You might actually be pissed if you got a third party telling you it's a 10 and then you get a nine, right? They're, so they, they're mostly doing graded cards. I think that they are bringing, I have to read it again, but I think raw cards maybe they're introducing soon. So it's, mm. it's, really, it's really another one of these sort of eye appeal uh you know, assessment similar to the Mike Baker, similar to the PWCC uh, assessments that they give for the various degrees of IPL. So basically, they're, it's another way to determine what the hobby would consider to be strong for the grade, average or weak for the grade. My, that's my understanding. Sorry, Josh, when you were speaking, I was slightly distracted as I often am. So I don't know if I just contradicted or said what you just did, uh, but maybe just providing a little bit more light on it. Chris, any uh, anything from you on this? No, I think you guys summed it up, but it looks like their presentation is impressive. They're they're yeah. super serious about what they're doing. And uh look, you know, if there's a if there's an overwhelming demand for something that just doesn't have enough 
supply right now is grading, <laughs> reliable, trustworthy grading. So really exciting to see people making innovations in that field. And, and I can I can let everybody know, the audience, the chat, uh, and you guys, that um, the founder of the company will be on this show in the near future. So he's he's agreed to come on, and I'm looking forward to having him. And he'll be able to explain it with in, in much more uh, articulation than I've been able to. So look 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 forward to that uh, coming up uh, before the end of the year for sure. Um, okay, uh, Zaggy says CL50 is a nice sample of the entire market. All. Uh, Sports, arrows, and card companies, and probably representative what their users own. That's a good point. What their users own is is going to be important because really you have customers. It's this is this is this is for your customers for sure. Shaw Cars says Jeremy has the haters in a mental pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shaw. Thank you, Shaw. Thank you, Shaw. Well, one of the reasons for that is because I sleep well at night, guys. I sleep well at night, and uh, that's it. It's just it's just easier. For, it's easy to go to bed at night for me. Uh, David Owen says, Chris, Chris needs to learn how to delegate, maybe to get some more sleep, I think is what he's saying there. Uh, Jahan speaking to Coleman. When I type Michael, Jordan automatically pops up after my name and searches. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Nice. Uh, Noonan Cardboard says, Ziggy, stop hiding behind Triple C. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder that myself. Yeah, Triple C is very close to a permanent ban on my channel. Uh, just because I, I I like sophisticated people in my audience, and and most of my audience is quite sophisticated and respectful. So, uh, but but hey, we've had we've had the odd non on the show too. We we have. It's just it's it's you know it's a numbers game, right? Just like anything, it's a number it's a numbers game. Uh, Dr says so. Should I just think about card ladder as a starting point for conversation? I mean I mean r- really. Card ladder is so much more than just the cards, the the new the new feature and the score. There's there's a lot of more. There's many more things there. But Chris, um, why don't you just speak to that briefly, Chris? Please briefly. Dr. Would love for you to start conversations about card ladder any any and everywhere you go. Thank you. <laughs> it also has a ton of raw data. You know, like if you're just looking for the graphs and the last sold and just the raw data points. There's a ton of that as well. Yeah, CS makes a great observation that Chris does take the high because Chris is a respectful guy, he takes the high and thinks about things thoughtfully. Amazing. I wish I could process as quickly as Chris does. Uh, yeah, very thoughtful and always uh, respectful as well, more so than myself, probably. Johnny says, What grading companies are included in the card ladder database? That's a good question. SGC, PSA, BGS. And everybody's favorite RAW. That's Carb. That oh, I've heard of that one. That's Carbon's grading company, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Right. Jordan Hudson says, "Here's the bottom line: of whoever doesn't like Card Ladder or Sports Card Investor, go build your own effing data tool, <laughs> not directed at anyone in particular. Just overall, it really is as simple as that, right? Like, like no one's forcing you to use these things. If you don't like them, if you don't like them." And I mean, I'm not going to speak about market movers and sports card investors right now because Jeff Wilson isn't on the show right now. We have the guys from Card Ladder here, but you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. And if you don't under if you don't understand it, you don't have to be negative about it. If you are negative about it, you probably don't understand it because you haven't taken the time to read the tra- the very transparent explanations about everything. And 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 even that said, if you don't if you don't like it and you have a fair gri- and you have a gripe. Talk about it. Even even Carlos from Because I'm Carlos, 
he will he will have on his show you Chris on to talk about it. And and mm-hmm. he's often very difficult on you when you've been on a show. So you know, you guys aren't you guys aren't ducking from this stuff, which which is which is says says a lot right there. Jeremy, isn't it kind of well isn't it exciting that there's um drama and controversy around the quantitative methodology of pricing sports cards of all the things of all the things to stir the emotions of collectors the fact that this is the topic that does lets me know that i am among my people well yeah see there you are <laughs> and it's because you know Crazy people it's because there's money involved and it's big money these days right that that's why there's all this yeah. drama involved and all this uh skepticism but as you've said the skepticism is healthy we do, we do need it. It helps keep you guys accountable, right? Because you know, as soon as you slip, someone's going to find it and call you out. And the fact that it, I don't think it's happened yet speaks volumes about what you're doing and the transparency and the integrity. And I mean, just knowing you, um, oh, the, yeah. trans, the, the integrity I'll, never comes into question for me. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I feel the same way about you, by the way. And I I don't think there's a person on the face of the earth who can process comments and reply to them as quickly and, as, and with as much wit and mirth as you do. But the only thing I would add here is that um, also it just makes our job more fun and it makes the topic way more interesting and it makes our product card ladder seem more interesting when there's somebody on the other side of a, a new feature that we've rolled out that's pretty sophisticated and pretty esoteric. I think people are more interested in hearing us like explain what the card ladder value is or how the price check feature works if like there's somebody who hates it because then it's like oh this is interesting what's what two sides are there to this whereas if we just come out and say oh look at this we have a white paper here's the math player indexes total market indexes divisor prediction you know people's eyes roll into the back of their heads but when there's somebody who's like i hate this and then we're like well here's how this works i think it makes it way more engaging it makes for better content so I, it is good. It is good that there are sides to these discussions. It's, it's much better than the alternative, which is that we're just doing boring math that no one cares about. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Makes sense. I would Joe love says, to just yeah. program the app and you guys leave me alone. But What's that, know, Josh? I would love to just program on the app and everyone leave me alone, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> no, no, not as long <laughs> as you're in, you're in the hobby. Uh, Joe says, how about everyone use card ladder before you judge the product? It works very well. Give it a try. Otherwise, how can you speak against something you have never used? Mr. LAGN, I've been using card ladder for over a year. It's very useful for the price and it is mind blowing how many new features are continually added. Waxel says, do you want a tool that shows you what a specific card sells for? That's the whole point. Uh, Jahan says, nobody is a rain man. Yeah, you can't recall. I don't understand the comment, but thank you, Jahan. Um, DR says, how far in advance does card ladder try to predict the value with a predictive pricing tool? I read the white paper. It's a Google document. I think it's hard for people to understand without paying. How far in advance does card ladder try to predict the value? I don't know. Is he asking, are you trying to predict what the value will be six months from now? No, no. it doesn't do that at all. We don't, it's not doing any future predictions right now. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Hey, Joe C., what is happening? Welcome to the show. Zed in the house. Good evening, Zed420. Cam, good to see you. Andy says, predicted value is important. If we only went by previous comp for every sale, the prices of cards would never change. I've been saying that too. Wow. Andy's well no said. dummy. I mean, if we only went by the previous comp, that and that goes to the activity card shows too. If you're only willing to sell for the last comp, or, or even better, if you're only willing to buy at the last comp, Prices would never move. It'd be one price. 
Imagine the Beckett annual being the price for the whole year. Like, what fun is that? And it's just not reflective of an actual marketplace, right? These prices move minute to minute over over the over the the breadth of the whole hobby. Josh, did you have something to jump in with? No, I mean, yeah, that, that was a. I, I just really like the way he wrapped that up into a very eloquent statement. I mean, if you just think about like an, a specific example, like the PSA ten Fleer, and it sells for five hundred grand, and everyone's all excited about that, and that's what it's worth. And then it goes a month without selling, and in between that sale, there's like. 20 sales of the PSA 9 and the PSA 9 just keeps going down, 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 down. Everyone, everyone expects that the PSA 10 will follow suit and also go down. So why not automate that, build systems around that sort of uh, activity and, and try to predict what the PSA 10 will do and then we can all be more educated. Yeah. Hockey Hockey with a nice comment. From what I can tell, there's little content out hating on Card Ladder. There appears to be a loud vocal minority. That is it. It appears people just want to discuss cards in YouTube, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I actually, it's funny today, uh, like half a dozen people brought to my attention about this loud vocal minority. I don't, I don't pay attention to it, but, uh, but apparently there is some out there. And um, again, those people, I just hope they work through their issues and find happiness in their world. Really, that's all. I, that's it's just, it's just sad. It's, it's just sad. But you know, not everybody lives productive and uh and and you know positive lives that's just that's just the way the world is but anyway um let's see we're at the hour 30 mark uh first of all i'll just say if either of you guys are tired you want to drop off like don't feel you have to stay here for me uh or the or the audience i'll speak for them as well here but uh we're i'm good to keep going if you guys are thumbs up thumbs down keep going all right all right we're having a good time we're having a good time Let's see if we can find any other uh, wonderful uh, or, or not. They don't have to be wonderful comments. We'll take we'll take the tough ones too. We will definitely take the tough ones too. Uh, Zag, I'm not going to bring up that one. Frankie says you are correct. The national, yes, thank you, Frankie. <laughs> nice. Toa says you know what's worse than the S on nationals when people say the Miami Heat's. There you go, Toa. You know it. And Frankie, Frankie gets it. Frankie gets it. And Frankie, Frankie and I, we're, we're like this. So I can, I can let him know. I can let him know. Every time I see Frankie. someone, every time I see someone say nationals on Instagram, I'm like, Jeremy's going to find that. You better be <laughs> careful posting that on the internet. It's like someone, you know, it's, it's like <laughs> the nationals, the nationals is like where you go to play in a baseball tournament. Is, is it not? You said it's a not- cheerleading competition. That was my favorite. You're like, that's a cheerleading competition. <laughs> Right. It's, this is a card show called the National. It's not the National. There's nothing plural about it. It's one show <laughs> once a year. All right. All right. Uh, let's see what else uh, you guys in the audience have, because we are going strong with the audience tonight. It's been great. Thank you, everybody, so much. Uh, Tyson says the computer program runs the numbers. You think Chris is going to want to go back through it and change it? Hell no. Hell no. No manipulation. It's programmed. Yeah, I mean, OK, I think we beat that one to death. But thank you, Tyson. Um, vintage card says thanks to all three of you guys nice like to see passionate collectors earning some bucks serving our hobby well that speaks to those two at least i've had some cards do well for me but i saw someone <laughs> someone, someone someone said something like uh jeremy is laughing all the way to the bank make, making i've sold very few cards in, in, in the last year um so but i do have to sell some cards now to replenish the money i spent at the national there you go yeah, right. I, I I rarely I rarely if ever have to do that. 
I'm just going to read a, co a comment that uh, COVID card collector wrote and try and determine if they're welcome to still be a member of, of this channel. <laughs> Basically asking Chris if you are card porn. <laughs> Quinton yeah, says that it would be nice if you had a feature to buy cards for me, then sell them at a higher price later for me, and then just send me a check in the mail. That would be nice for all of us. Right? Why hasn't anybody thought of that one yet? That's I think you're looking for Starstock. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. They have a yeah. Uh, Jordan here is talking about uh, about card score. They have like a little yeah. So this card score that we were talking mm. about before, they're actually putting their kiosks into card shops around mm. the United States right now, where people can go in and uh, and and have their card scored. So I think we got to see more on this. But again, we're going to have the owner on or the founder, I should say. I think he's also the owner to come on and talk a, a bit more about that for sure. Uh, Zaggy Yes says, haha, my cousin is a cancer incapable of moving on. I don't know who your cousin is, but uh, I hope your cousin recovers from whatever ails him for sure. Noonan says, stop, triple C, you are Ziggy. Who's, who's Ziggy? Anyone who can't see that is blind. I wonder if that's the case. Um, but but if that's the case, Noonan, um, I got to figure out who 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 Ziggy is, and if that's the fact, then we'll just have to eliminate them because uh, they need help. I would think. Justin says, "Can you guys share on the card letter index how cards coming into and out of the index impacts doesn't impact the historical returns?" Oh, there's a there's a Chris question. Look at him; he's all excited. Yeah, I, I can't follow that. I'm not smart enough to follow the question, but Chris knows what he's can. talking about. Yeah, well, I, well, no, it's just. Uh... Because this happens with uh, stock indexes all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a stock comes in, a stock splits, it has to be recalibrated. But we've never changed uh, any cards in the CL50. Uh, and if we did, we'd sit down and think about how we would deal with that. But I think we'd probably just retroactively calculate a new index going back to uh, day one. Uh, I don't know, though. That's, that's an interesting question. But we never, we've never encountered that. We don't intend on changing the cards that comprise the CL50. Now, if you're talking about total market player indexes, that's that's an interesting question too because um, all the time we're adding new cards of new players. And so Josh built out a very sophisticated back end to this that allows a a, every player's total market index is recalculated every day. And if new cards come into the system, the calculations for the all-time index performance of that card are recalculated. So the index is recalibrated each time a new card gets added the following day. So that's how that works. And then, but, but, or if the question is about what happens if I don't think this is it, but maybe it is what happens if the, and this is detailed in the white paper, what happens if a player's total market index, you know, it goes back to, let's say 2005, but they only had one card that sold in 2005. Then they have three that sold in 2006. Because the thing is every time a card records a new sale, it will cause a distortion in the index unless you use a divisor in the denominator of the function in order to preserve the value of the index before and after the addition of a new data point. So I, let's not go into that right now, but it's in the white paper and it's actually very important methodologically to making sure that the index is not receiving distortions in the database on the first sale of a card. And if anyone in the chat understood what Chris just said, please raise your hand and, and you have my respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should. well, Josh does because he has to code the stuff. So, of course, Josh he, he code has to. Quite I had well. to listen to Chris talk about it for an hour. So, <laughs> Nick says uh, regarding card score, so it's another MBA, except MBA is just like Mike Baker, uh, who is a professional, was a professional grader. So he's one person, whereas card score is a collective of 
uh, crowdsourced graders. So I think it's a bit it's a bit different. Uh, Jake says so. It's basically letting you know if, if the card may have been undergraded, yes, or overgraded. But if that's the case, you may try to detach it from your card because who's going to want to do that? But you never know. Uh, Dr says is card ladder more for raw or graded cards? Sounds like I need to look up a tutorial to really grasp what you all do. Yeah, one thing I want to just say out at the outset, or not the outset, but at this point right now is that um, I'll take I'll take it on I'll take the responsibility on myself that I, I didn't really. Um, at the beginning, lay out what for anyone who didn't know what Card Ladder really does and the various functions that it offers. I, so that that's on me here. But yeah, Dr. Um, you should take a tutorial. I recommend you just go do their their free trial and give it give it some give it give it some time in there. Go go do that. I think that'll that'll probably help you out. Uh, Flipping Steve says, I believe Tampa Card Shop has a card score machine already in their shop. First one in Florida. Nice. There you go. Thank you, Flipping Steve, for that information, for sure. Jordan says, don't put that sophisticated juju on me, not in my house. Uh, Waxel says, CL, Card Ladder is a great place to source all the latest YouTube videos, so I don't miss any. Yeah, they do a great feed, uh, sharing uh, mostly quality content creators for sure, for sure. Bob's Big Boy, anyone going to the Wisconsin Dells show August 20 to 22nd, 450 plus dealer tables. And PSA has confirmed they will be there. I'm going to show. I got. I brought this home from the national because I just love dealing with, uh, with uh, Tim and Lorena, who are two of the, the 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 organizers. It is going to be, as you can see, August 20, 21, 22, at, at in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. What's at the Kalahari Resort and Convention Center? This might be the most comfortable card show you'll ever go to. I've never been, but plush red carpet is going to make it much more enjoyable than any other car show you've ever been to in terms of just your physical comfort. Bob says, when will someone create an algorithm on future card value? That's, that'd be, that's dangerous territory. I think, how can you, it's tough to do. You need to bring so many factors. Chris, Chris, I see you're wide eyed. How impossible is that or how possible is it? Uh, well, you already laid the groundwork for getting a little deep and going beyond sports cards and into psychology early in this episode. So let me do the same thing. So I'll go down the rabbit hole of philosophy very briefly, very briefly. Uh, right. the, uh, the, the, the science of prediction is one of the most fascinating academic subjects you could ever study. The philosophy of science, if you've never taken a class on it, take it because this is really what it deals with. So you have like a discipline like chemistry, where in chemistry, the one of the hallmarks of knowledge is, is being able to say, I'm going to combine these different elements. And then the other side of the equation, I can predict it with certainty. As long as I know all the relevant variables going in, I can predict with certainty the outcome. Uh, with the social sciences and human behavior, the endeavor to be able to predict with certainty becomes very difficult in large part because all the variables are not known. But in theory... In theory, if one subscribes to the belief that science is a cause and effect line of reasoning that ultimately works if you know all the variables, then in theory, you should eventually be able to predict human behavior. You should be able to predict it because you you theoretically could know every variable that's at play. But uh, that makes people very uncomfortable, myself included, because that does, that does away with the concept of free will. So if you can predict human behavior, then we don't have free will. We every every part of our experience, even the conscious thoughts that we're experiencing, are all predetermined. We just don't know all the variables to be able to predict them properly. Okay, so I just laid the groundwork there for why it's a scary idea to talk about predicting human behavior, and I'm going to tie it in like this: 
auction prices in sports cards is human behavior. It's humans deciding what they're going to pay for something. If we could predict prices going into the future of sports cards, it's tantamount to saying that we can predict human behavior, which is tantamount to saying we don't have free will, which invokes all sorts of deep philosophical questions that are really interesting that I've thought about for many, many years. But it, it's it's a very weird and scary proposition to think about the fact that we could predict human behavior. But there are entire wings of universities called the social sciences, whether it's economics, whether it's sociology, that have professors and academics in them that are dedicated to trying to model and forecast human behavior. It's an endeavor that people will never give up. As Milton Friedman once articulately laid out, uh, you don't need to have a model that perfectly reflects society or that perfectly reflects the variables. What matters is, is the model accurate over time? So maybe you could do forecasting of, of sports card prices, but it would be it would be quite the accomplishment. You would succeed where many of the most brightest minds in the history of human existence have failed if you are able to successfully predict human behavior going into the future. Well said. Well said. Um, I'm not going to summarize. Other Others have done that for us. So let's go to a couple of those. Frankie says there are too many variables to consider when predicting anything future. There's no way to account for all things. Well said. Well said. Rage says future value is a no-no as a guide. Cool concrete. No, because... A computer doesn't have a brain or heart. Uh, Jordan Riker says, I thought I was relatively sophisticated until listening to Chris and Josh for a couple hours. I no longer think this. I think you're probably, you might not be alone in that, Jordan. Toa says, as a hobby, we need to start providing more content on how people can make their own decisions instead of shortcuts. Be accountable to yourself. It's your money. Research and make your own decision. Very, very well said. All, you know, the card ladder tool, the various uh, features in card ladder, the other products that are out there, use them if you want. Use them as, as one of the sources of information you're going to use to make your own decision. I think that's all you're really trying to provide. Anyway, you're nothing tells somebody what to do. It's just information based on data that is, that is um, vetted by trustworthy individuals that is my personal uh take on it my personal take because i consider you guys trustworthy i'm not going to speak for everyone else but as someone said earlier 99.9 percent .9 of the hobby who knows you trusts you guys and i think that's really really important uh to consider okay uh oh boy I'm, i've scrolled to the bottom of the comments i think it's the first time oh here's a good one rock latex says chris makes filmington's answers sound as short as greg popovich's yeah filmington's filmington can articulate too uh he he, he had he had a few uh a few diatribes on my, on my show a couple weeks ago but uh he's, he's a cool cat i call him a cool cat card porn says people used to always complain that beckett magazine prices were outdated as soon as the latest issue came out i think that's still the case actually the companies producing this data now are much more up to date and is a good thing. But to Beckett's, uh, to Beckett, they do have the online version, which is really where you got to be these days. The magazine, I think, is more to for convenience to carry around with you um, if you don't have access to the internet, perhaps, or it's just good reading material. Sometimes there's some good reading material, I'll say, because I, I used to like it back in the day when there were actually a lot, a lot of editorial. But I found that the editorial has been reduced uh, in recent, uh, probably over the past ten years. Okay, Jordan, I, I haven't read this yet, but Jordan's going to change the topic. Let's see what he says. Chris and Josh, what are your favorite new parallels or inserts from the last year or two? Let's start with you, Josh. Hmm, parallels or inserts. Um, I do like the Nebula. I know that's that maybe isn't the last 
I'm not sure when that started, but I do like the Nebula as a parallel inserts. Uh, the Kaboom's pretty cool. Uh, I enjoy the Kaboom. I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a really big fan of all the inserts, even from the 90s stuff. I'm more of a parallel guy, so I tend to focus more on the parallels. Um, and I, I like my parallels simple, so you're not going to get like a very interesting answer for me. I like the gold prisms, and I like the silvers, and um, I like to keep it simple. Before we go to you, Chris, I just want to jump in. There's one card. This is not new. It's from 96, I think. But that the card that I laid my eyes on at the National that I'm, I've been obsessing about is the Class of 96 Kobe and the Allen Iverson. I saw the Iverson, but I love, I, I've been obsessing over that card. I love, it's embossed. He's popping out of the card. To your point, Josh, about a clean, simple card. The background is just, it's got that like off-white creamy color to it yet it's it's very smooth almost acetate -y. uh what do you guys think of that card personally josh you go first because i saw you nodding uh i'm looking the card up how about you so chris why don't you uh, answer the, the jordan's question and let me know what you think about the uh, class of 96 oh yeah card. the class yeah, of 96 is gorgeous we have the kobe and card lighters just fr it looks freaking awesome it reminds me of, there's a panini one that kind of looks like this not the not the color blast there's like another lebron that i'm thinking that has like the all white background blank slate yes that one it looks pretty similar to that i like that style yeah that card is but this the embossment on it yes. and and the full body shot popping off the card i'm in the market if anyone has a i'm looking for like a psa 9 maybe a bgs 9.5 I might even consider an SGC 9 or 10, 9, 9.5 or 10. I'm in the market for one of those cards. I, I, it's, it's just, it spoke to me. You know what that, you know, you got, you know what that having a card just speaks to you and it's Kobe Bryant and it's beautiful and it's not, it's not five figures. Like it's just, what a, what a great looking card. The PSA nine's only 600, 600 bucks. 600 bucks. Hook me up. I'll pay it. I'll pay 600 bucks. That's an offer. The first person who messages me, I'll send you 600 bucks for that card. There's a bunch on eBay. Okay, there we go. I'm going to go buy one. I'm going to go buy one. All right, Chris, uh, did you answer Jordan's question yet? Uh, Josh mentioned uh, Nebula. Side notes, the Trey Young 2018 Prism Nebula PSA 10 sold for $401,000 tonight after buyer's premium. That was like probably the the shocking most shocking sale of the night on the yeah. golden auctions that ended tonight remember just lots still end tomorrow night too but four hundred and one thousand dollars for a trey young prism nebula one of one psa 10 is uh amazing uh for me it's just really simple uh i i don't know about anything new that came out in the last year or two but i like anything one of one Anything one of one to me is the is 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 tantamount to in the '90s what the PMGs and the Rubies were because every player, football, basketball, Panini, you know, it, it, I'm speaking about Panini here, but any player has hundreds of one of ones from their rookie year and and dozens if not hundreds in future years, so they're they are not as limited as they might seem being one of ones. And you've got, you know, in, in any given year, you've got maybe half a dozen Nebula one of ones. Maybe you got the Prism, you got the Spectra, you've got the Optic. Um, and so I, I like one of ones. I, I think one of ones will eventually prove to be what the PMGs were and the Rubies and, and stuff were to the 90s. I think one of ones are going to be to this era once it all shakes out. So anything one of one, I really like. I'll just, I'll just slightly disagree. Not anything one of one because there are some. But ugly one of ones that do hit the market. 
And but ugly is is kind of eye appeals is the most important thing to me. You know, scarcity, rarity, definitely too. And printing plates uh, have one one on them. They're you know they're kind of the I don't know the low end of the one one spectrum. But I hear what you're saying, Chris, and I think I think there there are special ones, right? There are like you talk about the nebulas. You know, there are the gold vinyls. There are definitely special one of ones, but there are some unspecial ones. Uh, would you agree? Totally agree. Let me amend my statement. The only one of ones that I look at or like are non-autograph, non-memorabilia, non-printing plate. I like pure cardboard one of ones. And if you stick to just the pure cardboard one of ones from the nice products, you're going to, odds are very high. You're going to land on a cool card. All right. Agree. DR, do you guys see yourselves as a targeted acquisition for eBay or maybe somebody else? Brian Gray said on the last show that everyone is wide open for business this year. I mean, so here's the thing about a question like that one, uh, which, you know, the question asker probably knows, uh, most most other people probably know, but maybe they don't. Uh, any time that an acquisition may or may not be in place between any two entities, one of the first steps in that trend, in that potential transaction is going to be a non-disclosure agreement or an NDA. So no matter what way an entity like us or any other hobby business would want to go about making a public statement with respect to an acquisition, no matter what is actually happening, the answer is always going to have to be no comment. Uh, so that's not going to be illustrative. It's not going to be insightful. But, you know, anytime a business owners are going to encounter a question like that, the answer is going to have to be no or no comments. And it's not going to be insightful because you don't know. Is there an NDA governing that? Is there not? You just don't know. So all we can say on that question is no comment. So I'm, I'll let you end it there. I'm just going to say that... Uh... <laughs> that and I, I know nothing here, but oftentimes, if there is if there is nothing going on, then the business owner can say no. There's nothing going on. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that because I, I think I think there's obviously lo- there, there's lots of uh, lots of discussion going on with with many companies right now, and, and I, I just think I think myself that you guys would be a wonderful target for uh, for whomever. I don't know who, but you guys would be a wonderful comment. And if that if it does happen. <clears throat> now or in the future um congratulations you know pre congratulations if it does ever happen um that'd be great then hopefully you guys can just chase your grails for the rest of your lives okay uh uh jahan says here they would be bored with nothing to do if they sold doubt they would let anyone control the app like ken runs golden uh ken if you're watching good evening to you global card investor says can you please make an algorithm to predict when people are going to speak negatively about the hobby yeah it's all the time it, yeah. it, it's happening right now. For we sure. figured it we, out. <laughs> yeah, the, the algorithm is now, 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 somewhere out there on some social media platform. It's happening for sure. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up soon. I'll just uh, run through see if there's is there anything else that you either of you guys want to talk about? Uh, anything that we didn't discuss that you had wanted to? Um, no, I think we hit them all. Maybe uh, potentially we touched on the the Trey Young, but like a couple of the golden auctions might be of interest to folks. I don't know if you, did you guys, I don't know if you and Brian like got in depth on those, but there's some pretty interesting auctions. We did. He bought one card at on golden tonight. Uh, he bought the, the Jeter PSA nine. He was very pleased with it for 10,200. Said it was a he let out like a Ric Flair. He's like, Whoa. He's like, yeah, I'm he really was- good. He was extremely happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what Bob's big boy says. Would love to see a vault style card business model that incorporates sports betting elements where users can wager cards based on actual game spreads, 
cardboard casino already has a gaming license. Yeah, I'd be, in, I'd be interested to see what that looks like. I don't gamble much, but I'd be interested to see what that looks like. David French says, I want to see a product maybe called Perpendicular that is all inserts and one base card per pack. That's interesting. Actually, there Upper Deck did one in hockey called Synergy that uh, you didn't even get a base card per pack. So it was kind of, oh, you did. You got parallels, but they weren't necessarily just the base. The base was the chase in that particular product, but I, don't, I know that's not what you're getting at. Big boy, but I, whoa, we are, oh my God, these comments, you guys, on fire tonight, on fire. I see a comment from, uh, let's see, where to go, where to go. Joe Perot, uh, there's Joe, says, question for Chris, Luca, a Maverick forever. Luca might not even be a Maverick in a few years. So uh, Mark Cuban, Dirk Nowitzki, and Jason Kidd are, are, I think, in the air right now, flying to Slovenia to meet with Luca to get him to sign the Supermax rookie extension that he has not signed, even though he's been eligible to sign it for over a week. His his reasoning was that he's playing in the Olympics and he's not focusing on the NBA right now. But uh, what is there to discuss? And why do those three guys have to fly halfway across the world to get him to sign it? So I don't know, but uh, he's probably going to sign the Supermax extension just because it's such a lucrative thing and he can always ask for a trade later if he wants that. And then he wouldn't be leaving the Mavericks high and dry because then the other team has to send back somebody of equal value. But look, if the Mavericks don't start figuring out roster construction um, and doing a better job than they've done so far in this offseason, I think that his days in Dallas will be numbered. Rage likes the Galactics. Likes the yeah, the Galactics are pretty popular. So, uh, isn't it? Uh, Brett is I think is it Brett collecting the Galactics from stacking slabs? He went on he went on a a one one binge recently on something like that. I think I think it was the Galactics. Tampa doesn't count printing plates either. That's good. That's good. Hockey hockey says not that it matters at the end of the day, but there doesn't seem to be many chase cards anymore. It seems like the funnest and best stuff are SP gold silver cards, which can be many. I mean. Yeah. You know, early last decade there were plenty. You know, I'm I'm thinking about like some awesome uh, hockey products that Upper Deck had put out. But I mean, again, I'm talking hockey, so I know that doesn't appeal to to the whole audience for sure. All right, guys, we're we're gonna wrap this up shortly. I'm gonna see if there's anything else in the comments that I want to bring up at this point in time. Rock Latex says, I honestly don't know why Beckett is not in card ladder space. Should have been there five years ago. Oscar Dad agrees with card porn. 400 and 1,000 is too much for a Trey Young card of, of any sort, I think. Uh, Craig says the PSA group will buy card ladder next year. Jahan is enjoying the, the chat. Toa says Beckett as a company has been behind, period. They don't change. I mean, I, li- I got to tell you, I like the guy. I, I love the guys. Like, like Jeremy Murray's a wicked dude. Uh, obviously, Eric Norton's an awesome guy. Like, there's some great people there. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, uh, the, the the hobby sentiment changes on them soon, and they they uh, their 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 reputation to those whom it's tainted uh, feel differently in the future. Okay, guys, uh, we're just what are my legit? Why are my legit questions being ignored? I don't know. Uh, Oscar Dad, only because there's like a thousand comments coming, and I just can't catch them all. So sorry, not not excluding you on purpose. That's for sure. Uh, Jake, great hang you way beyond my bedtime. Good night, Jake. Have a great sleep. All right, I, I that's it, guys. I'm I can't even read these comments anymore. There's 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 uh two oh, the last one. Charles says, uh, fascinating education, just an educational discussion. Tight gents, I learned a lot. Thanks 
Thank you, Charles Smith. Great to see you as always. Tampa says, who's buying cards like Young for 401000 Do you guys have any idea if it was an individual or one of the new? I, we, we, we can't know yet, Tampa, but you know, if it's one, if it's a fractional company or, or somebody wants to come out and talk about it, like we saw with the Jordan PSA 10 uh, uh, PWCC that did eight hundred grand, uh, that, that, that buyer came out like that later that night. So maybe we'll find out. Maybe we know Who's by Lameem? now. Who Who's knows? Lameem James bought it. Maybe Lameem James bought it. Andy, thank you so much for joining. Great to see you, my, my guy. Uh, Toa says we made Jeremy tap out. Yeah, I'm tapping out. All right, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn off the comments so I can't see them anymore because I just have to do that at this point in time. Otherwise, I'm going to be distracted. Josh and Chris, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for, for taking the tough questions from the, from the chat. Um, hopefully, uh, you guys, you guys enjoy, enjoyed the experience tonight. We are just shy of two hours to the chat, guys. Thank you, everybody, for joining tonight. Uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining Sports Cards Live. This is the late show. I call it after hours. Feel free to subscribe to the channel. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, we've had upcoming episodes on the bottom there. Some more great episodes coming up. I'm going to quickly put on the bottom here. If you are not yet following Josh and Chris on Instagram, there are their Instagram handles. Their app is called Card Ladder. You can find it at cardladder.com, and there is the app as well. Check it out. Check out their seven-day free trial, I believe it is. Is that what it is, seven days, Chris? Yeah. Yep. Check out their seven-day free trial if you have not yet. Um, and I'm sure there's a, a card ladder affiliate out there somewhere who might who you might want to do that through. Feel free to, to find one and do it through them or just or just go ahead and do it uh, without that. Final comments from you, Josh. Do you want to say goodbye? That's Please do. No, I was just going to say thank you to, to you, Jeremy. I think uh, you're doing a great job of the show. And like Chris said, you're the best in the biz at reading the comments and keeping everyone engaged and, and having a fair platform. So thanks again. Appreciate that, Josh. Thank you for joining. Chris, final final goodbyes from you, and uh, we'll be done. Yep. Thank you for having us, Jeremy. Thank you for providing the opportunity to talk about the new features. I imagine it's not super interesting from the host's point of view to get into the weeds of, you know, numbers and white papers and stuff like that. But you, you still, you know, you, you take two hours out of your night to have us on and come talk to it, and you have – one of the very best audiences in sports cards. So thank you for, I even saw somebody in the chat say they signed up for a card ladder pro during this uh, interview, which was fantastic. So nice. really appreciate you, man. Well, that that's cool. I, I missed that one, but uh, congrats on that. And I think it just speaks to when people give you a chance and get to know you guys uh, by, by watching a show like this and, and hearing you speak and, uh, it's, it's just natural. It's just natural that that's going to happen. So uh, kudos to that uh, that chat member. Thank you guys for joining to the chat. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I see the final comments. I'm not going to go through them because it's, it's, it's been, I've, I've done six hours of streaming today. So the to, to, to the podcast listeners, you're going to get three, three episodes this week. I'm sure you're not going to get through them all, but if you can, great. Listen to 1.5 speed at least. Thanks everybody for joining. You guys hang tight one second. Everybody else, good night. We'll see you back here next Saturday. Have a great week ahead. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.